Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are doing an overview of the Gospel of John and Acts of the Apostles. So let's get started. Let's jump to John. Um, In John, uh, faith in Jesus is key to eternal life. That that, that comes out all the time. Faith in Jesus leads to eternal life. John also, in his gospel, has a double conclusion. The first conclusion... Is that, is that like a double negative? Yeah. So it doesn't mean no, no, there's no. no conclusion at all? No. In the first conclusion, <laughs> signs lead to belief in Jesus. That's the first conclusion that John has. Okay. But in the second conclusion, after the resurrection stories... We hear about the beloved disciple, and the beloved disciple is supposedly the source and the point, you know, is the source of of many of these stories. And the point of the story was to inspire faith. Now, the double ending suggests that the gospel went through more than one edition. That's really why I pointed that out. John's gospel. John's gospel. That there are any number of places where um, you have the sequence of events don't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. And so it's it's looking at this and also at times where the beloved disciple is kind of plopped in the middle of things and saying, well, where did this guy come from? <laughs> he just showed um, up again. So it is, it is very probable that um, there were a couple of additions that his disciples would have written and the community would have somehow sanctioned because of, again, the time. Also, during the time you're looking at uh, a greater sophistication in writing, a greater sophistication in, in uh, I should say, not a sophistication as much as access to materials, um, you would have had a community that really was centered around John that would have had the time and the energy to do this as opposed to a, a single person or maybe one or two people. There would have been people sitting down with this that may have said, you know, it needs a little more here or it needs a little bit here. And so it is very likely that there was more than one edition of, of the gospel. What is he writing like a hundred years after Jesus? About a hundred years, right. yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. John also relies heavily on symbols as opposed to the others. Uh, symbols of light and darkness, life, water, bread, shepherd, vine. These are uh, major symbols. And there is a presumption because no place in John does he have like a, an explanation of what these symbols mean. There is a presumption that this gospel was written more for a specific community rather than necessarily general populace because there is a presumption here that people knew exactly what these symbols stood for. Sure. Uh, so there, there are some presumptions there. Also, with uh, the difference in John, as I mentioned, which is significantly different from the synoptics, is you have these long discourses. Um, not the short sayings or quips or, or stories that, that the others have. You have long long discourses. The bread of life discourse, right? That's mm-hmm. the That's right. famous John exactly. discourse. John sees Jesus's ministry extending, for example, one of the difference too, extending over three Passovers. So in the other, in the synoptics, it kind of happens, you know, 
boom, 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 you know, basically Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday mm -hmm. type of thing. John, when he's writing about these things, it is evident that he is extending this over multiple years. He like sees the passion story or that, his whole like ministry? Well, no, not the whole ministry. As much as this at this Passover meal, this happened. At this Passover meal, this happened. At this Passover meal, this happened. And he squashed them together as they put it all together. But it's evident by the way they're writing, what they're writing about, how they're writing, that it's not the same time frame. So, like, the Last Supper was maybe one year, and the Garden was another right. year? For example, huh. in the cleansing of the, of the temple, in John, it's at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Cleansing of the temple is at the end. So, that, so you, you took this event uh -huh. that happened maybe a year or two ago, and you bring it, and now you put it in, and how it's put together shows a lot of signs that John's sense of timing and how he sees this is very different than the others. Well, time is a man-made construction, so... But, but absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. And, and they didn't let details like that get in their way. We would. We want, we want date, time, and place. Yeah. We, we, we allow the, the, the linear aspect of time to get in the way of, of how you know we see events or how we experience But it also it. tells a better story if you shove it all together and make them think it's like one long week versus that is very well, true this happened last year and two years ago this happened and that is very true so you have the Passovers you have the cleansing of the temple Jesus's death in John is attributed to the following he gained after he restored Lazarus to life. Not to blasphemy, not to any anything proclaiming. It is attributed to the following that he gained after he restored Lazarus to life. We don't think about that, but no. it's it's there. It's you know, and I was looking at it's yeah, that's I mean, especially since that's we hear John's passion every year. Mm -hmm. But do you think of that now? No, you don't. Because we're, you know, even though it's the passion, we're still getting it pieces. Mm -hmm. And we're not seeing how this part of the puzzle actually is joined to this entire section here by one piece that we were missing. And and it's and that's what we, you know, what we're able to do when you look at really serious scriptures. But that might be enough to freak anyone out. If uh, oh. he brought someone back from the dead, so yes, absolutely. So there's a, there's a real change in how in John's approach and how he writes, uh, what he writes, who he writes to, uh, how they perceive everything. Which brings us then to the Acts of the Apostles. Dun dun dun. Acts. When you look at Acts, is not just you know, um, another story is not just somehow a history um, of, you know, kind of uh, the Gospel of Luke part two or second part in the series. Uh, Acts, though, does continue the work begun in Luke uh, because for Luke, the story wasn't finished at Easter time. When you look at Mark, for example, is that the original ending of Mark was that 
he was dead and they ran away. That was it. There was no other ending. It doesn't the, make those apostles look very good. Not at all. <laughs> In fact, the ending was not added until later where they talk about resurrection or they talk about uh, they talk about ascension or anything like that. He was dead and they ran away because they were afraid. Done. Well, and how does that convert anyone? Well, not a whole lot. But remember, again, the time and the place. No, I know. But like, if his, his goal was to make people believe that Jesus was the Messiah because a time could come soon, right? how does not sharing the story of resurrection and telling people everyone ran away because they were scared, how is that going to be like, yeah, I want to do that? I thought about that is that maybe what he wrote, the way he wrote it was to scare the hell out of a person. I mean, literally, to saying, this is so dire. This is so important. This is so, and we were terrified. So y- you need to do it right now. You need to, right now. There's no resolution, though. It's a bad story. That's, that's your need. <laughs> that's your need. But, you know, when you think about it, is that for Luke, though, it didn't end at Easter. For the others, pretty much it ended at Easter. Luke, not so much is that there was still God's plan that the message, it was, he believed that it was God's plan that the message had to be taken to the rest of the world, at least the known world. This was not somehow simply a private revelation for the chosen people, by no stretch. Uh, in fact, that we see that coming through, you know, at the, at the latter parts of, of the Acts of the Apostles, is that... This was about the message that had to be taken to the world and there was no plan how to do it. There was nothing written down. Basically, he, he wants to show that God's plan of salvation was worked out through excuse me, was worked out through special people and events. That it wasn't willy-nilly, but the people, and the events that, that took place helped to bring this, to bring, you might say, the, the message and the intent of God to fruition. You can't even say ultimately, a pl- well, it was God's plan, but only in God's mind. Um, when you think about, you know, what was God's plan? And as you read the stories, you know, it is evident uh, when you read the stories in both the Luke's Gospel and in Acts of the Apostles. The disciples didn't have a clue what the plan was. There was no plan. They it's were like fl- us trying to figure out what to do with coronavirus. Yeah. You know, in some ways, you're flying by the seat of your pants. Mm-hmm. And that's really what the disciples were doing. What did they have to help them figure it out? Well, they had the stories of Jesus. They had guideposts, you might say, that Jesus put out there. Guideposts that he put out there, for example, with healing. It is evident, for example, that these guideposts were important. Uh, we read with the Canaanite woman, the healing uh, that's just passed uh, in Matthew, I believe. He was kind of mean to her. Yes, but that speaks of several things. One, he didn't stop at the chosen people. You know, he went out beyond it. And two... No, but he kind of said he was only supposed to do the chosen people. And he was. That was his understanding. But what it also shows is that he didn't stop there, is that his understanding grew. They even have 
placed on his lips the derogatory name for what someone would have called a Canaanite, not to mention a Canaanite woman. It's not right to give it to the dogs. Again, I would love to have met this woman, but even the dogs get the scraps. And what's his comment? Not get out of my face. What great faith you have, woman. Is that, is it possible? I believe it is. Some would say that no, he would have known this already. But is it possible that she awakened in him an understanding, maybe a realization that he had to come to? This wasn't just about the Jewish people. This wasn't just about those chosen he was sent to. Who knows where he would have gone if they had not summarily executed him, you might say, is that who knows what he would have eventually done. They didn't know that. They didn't have that information. But what they did have was that any number of times with the Roman centurion, the Canaanite woman, any number of times he reached beyond what they would have considered borders. He reached beyond what they would have considered rational or reasonable parameters that would have been set. You don't touch sinners. You don't deal with lepers. You don't deal with Romans. You don't deal with Syrophoenicians. You don't deal with Canaanites. You don't deal with these people. because don't talk to women. Exactly. And yet, time and time and time again, the guideposts they had, he did all of that. And so they were using, obviously, some of that. They were using the results of, of some of the stories that were being told when you think about Peter and you know with with the experience in the household uh, that of the household of the people who said I, we want to be baptized and the spirit comes upon them all and they, they weren't Jews these were Gentiles <clears throat> and so they looked at these experiences and what's what's interesting what Acts shows us is that you had human beings actually talking to one another, certainly something we could use in our own day and age, human beings that had differing opinions because they felt strongly who could or could not be part, who should or should not be part of us or of the, of the faith community. And yet they sat down and they argued, uh, you know, when you think about Peter and Paul, uh, there would have been some really, you know, Come the meeting Probably times. both type A personalities. I suspect so. so. <laughs> and, you know, and Paul just calls Peter right on the carpet and he's in your face type. But I suspect Peter would have been right back at him. Is that here you have two very strong people and they both want the best. And what do they do? They sit down with the whole group and say, we've got to figure this out. we got to figure this out. So so as, as the... the Acts says, so as not to lay undue burdens upon the shoulders of these people, what are we going to ask of them? And they come up with a list, you know, and not that big of a list. Um, would we come up with a, a shorter list? I'm not so sure. Because sometimes we are so tempted, hey, if we got to do it, they got to do it. And yet that wasn't the question they asked. How do we bring these people in to the community without laying undue burdens upon them. And they figure it out. Hmm. That's the grace of it all. They figured it out. Because if they hadn't, we wouldn't be what we are. We'd probably be, you know, some existential, you know, cosmic whatever. But we certainly wouldn't be Christian because Jesus, was, we wouldn't have been allowed in. 
and we've got a private little club. And so what's God's plan? He's saying, don't know. we got to figure this out, and we have to do the best we can. As I mentioned, they had guideposts, but they also had guideposts, for example, from the Old Testament. How, you know, when you, when you hear from Ezekiel, when you hear from Isaiah, hear from Jeremiah, how do you deal with the foreigner? How do you deal with the widow? How do you deal with the orphan? How do you deal with these people who are different from us? And, and they all, so they took those guideposts of their history. Makes sense. Um, and, and, you know, so they had the guideposts of Jesus himself. As I mentioned, they had guideposts of Jesus himself. But they had no set plan. You know, we think, well, it was all spelled out. They had no idea. What they did know and believed, it's evident by, by what is written, that the Spirit would intervene when necessary. And, and there's a, you know, even there's a, a situation, for example, in Acts, in Acts 16, where Paul is on his way to Asia Minor, and the, he says, the Spirit intervened and revealed to me, I had to go to Greece. Whoops. Yeah, oops. You know, but the, but the idea being is that it's like, no, you need to go farther west. You need to go farther west. You're not where you're supposed to be. There are only a couple of spaces or, or, um, or, or places where that happens. And, and the whole sense of is that we're not just puppets here. You know, we're not just getting, you know, pieces on the chessboard that, that God or whoever is, is moving around in a willy-nilly way or fashion. Is that you had real people sitting down with real people and figuring it out by personal experience, through prayer, through reflection, through the stories told, through the experience, through what worked and what didn't work. They had to look at, you know, what works here? What has been working? And if that's really working, what does that say about maybe where it's not working here? How do we need to change that? Acts is a really powerful, you know, might say, part of the, the history, telling the, his, the story, the historical story, not only of just some actual things that happened, but trying to get across to people that would come after, you know, there is no set plan. You know, it's always interesting, those people who, who somehow come across as they know absolutely how God is going to work. There is no set plan. Basically, it's in our hands and saying, you guys got to figure it out. You guys have got to sit down with men and women of faith, got to sit down and figure this out because God will guide you if you take time to listen. But to think that somehow I have the absolute plan, whether for an individual or a church, is completely off base, completely off base. And has certainly not read the, the Acts of the Apostles. So when we think about all of this, Lindsay, is that, um, or maybe what we see in all of this material is that in Acts, um, is that the message was first to be taken to the Jews, of course. We get that. Jesus himself said that, and that's what they did. But there was a key turning point, you know, with Paul particularly, and I would say even with Peter and, and the other disciples, there was a key turning point where the story of salvation now would involve God's dealings with the people of the world. This wasn't just small potatoes anymore. This was worldwide. 
This was for everyone. And for them, the world was pretty small, comparatively what we know of the world. <clears throat> but it certainly recognized for them that there was no exceptions now. And you, and you see where, you know, the disciples would go in different places around different parts of the world, you know, or the stories that would be told. Because sometimes even, uh, you know, the stories told, for example, of where the Apostle Thomas went. You know, they have him in southern India and places. Whether he ever got there or not, there's a lot of question. But the fact that the stories are told says a lot, you know, not to let the facts get in the way, but to allow the story to say, this is for everyone, everyone, no exceptions, uh, no conditions, no exclusions. This is for everyone. And, and I guess that's why it just sometimes flies in the face of, of people who, who at times will approach it that somehow, you know, this is only for this particular group. This is only for those believers, that particularly it's for the unbeliever. Why? Because by bringing the story to them, bringing the understanding that is much broader than oftentimes we want or willing to make it, is that it can help them come to see just how incredible this God is that we believe in. You know, where the Old Testament says, says that, you know, do all of this and how you treat one another and how you treat the foreigner. And they will understand and they will say, wow, such a people who have this incredible kind of relationship with their God. We don't have a relationship like that with God. How can we have that? You know, can we have that with you, with your God? And the answer should be, yes, of course. Come and join us. Come and join us. And that's when you think about the grace of the Gospels. It's, it's, you know, we let sometimes so much the facts and the details get in the way. And what we fail to see is that, you know, might say the, the jigsaw puzzle that we fail to see the whole thing. And we just want to take out one little piece and saying, well, that's the important piece. No, the whole thing is the important part is that all of these, the Gospels, and then when you talk about Acts of the, and that's because it is a continuation of Luke, it's included. Oftentimes they will refer to it as Luke-Acts rather than just the Gospel of Luke. You know it's Luke because he start, starts by talking to Theophilus again. Exactly. He continues <laughs> to speak with Theophilus. And I think that's where, you know, what Luke's, uh, Luke-Acts, I should say, the, the Acts, and because of how Luke writes, is that it, it really does, as I mentioned, it brings that broadness to it. That the other gospel writers, not that um, they don't have, you know, the, the commission, you know, the great commission to go out and baptize. But oftentimes the, the parameters are, are narrower. Just they're narrower. Not bad, good, or indifferent. It's just how they wrote, the time they wrote, to whom they wrote. Luke is not bound by those. Luke is, is literally, and there was a whole different understanding by that time with, with you know, going out to the, uh, to the Gentiles. And so it's, it's a grace when you start to look at this of, of just how this can bring, in so many ways, how this can bring a, a renewed energy to what the scriptures have to offer, you know, not only to the Christian community, but to the world, because it really is a universal message. Universal message. Excellent. Oh.
I think we're going to leave it there and we'll pick up our look at the Bible next time. Correct. Hope you all enjoyed it and we will see you next time. Bye.